the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. What you believe about anything in life is extremely important because what you believe is going to determine two basic things. Your beliefs always determine your expectations and your beliefs determine your behavior. What you believe about something will determine what you expect from that thing and what you believe about something will determine how you will behave towards someone or something. And so your beliefs are extremely important. And the word myth represents the idea that you have a potential false set of beliefs. And many of us have a false set of beliefs regarding marriage. We don't believe what marriage is effectively. We haven't learned really what marriage is. And so we build these things in our mind that we think marriage is, but it's really not what God created marriage to be. And so I'm going to walk you today through some of these myths of marriage. I'm going to share with you 17 myths, 17 wrong beliefs about marriage. I'm going to ask you to read them with me as we walk through them. Number one, the first wrong belief about marriage, read it together with me. Marriages are made in heaven. No, marriages are not made in heaven. Marriages are made on earth. Number two, second myth, read together with me. Marriage will make me happy. No, it will not. (laughs) Marriage will not make you happy. You're sitting back and say, well, I'm just not really happy. One day I'll be happy when I get married. No, if you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy when you're married. I'll tell you what makes a happy marriage, two happy people. And so you need to bring happiness into your relationship with you. And so if you're expecting marriage to be that that silver bullet that makes everything work in your life and make you happy, you're going to be disappointed. The next one's very similar to it. The third one, read together, marriage will make me whole. No, marriage is not going to make you whole. If you're broken in your life in some way and your life feels like it's not a, you're not a whole person, you need to get as well as you can before you get married. Because wholeness, you want to come into marriage in, uh, as a whole person, yet that your life has functionality. You don't have to be married to be whole. Marriage will not make you whole. Marriage does not complete you. Marriage complements you. You should be complete in who you are with your identity, your worth, your value, and then you come into a marriage relationship, and then that provides a complementation to who you are. It adds value and help to your life, but it does not complete you. Number four, read together with me. Here we go. You ready? People miraculously improve the moment they say, I do. No, they don't. A lot of people say, well, you know what? I've got some issues with this person, but I'm going to marry them anyway because I know that when I marry them, I just believe they're going to get better. No, you don't marry on that basis. If you marry believing that someone's going to change when they get married, so magically saying I do doesn't change a person, okay? 
So you want to make sure that they're as much of the person that you want them to be. doesn't mean that someone's not going to grow after they get married. But the key thing is to not count on a ceremony to change a person. Okay, let's go to the next one. Similar to it, this is number five. My primary job in marriage is to improve or change my spouse. No, it is not. Okay. A lot of people get married and say, you know what? My job here is I got to change that man. I got to change that woman. Let me tell you, that's not your job. You didn't sign up for the job to change somebody else. No, if that's been your job since you got married today, you need to submit your resignation. Okay. You say, no, my job is not to change that person. My job is to work on me. Next weekend, my topic is going to be it's all about you. I'm going to talk about, talk about some of those principles. But your primary job in marriage is to, improve, is to improve yourself, not to improve or change your spouse. Let's go to number six. Read with me. Here we go. Number six, great marriages never have problems or conflicts. That is a myth. It is not true. Every marriage has problems, and every marriage has conflicts. Don't just all of a sudden say, we've got a horrible marriage because we've got problems. We have a horrible marriage because we have some conflict. No, you have a normal marriage. Every marriage has problems and every marriage will have conflict. Marriage will take care of my loneliness. That is a myth. No, it will not. It's not going to cure your loneliness. Now, there's a benefit for marriage in terms of some level of companionship. But I will also tell you this, that in marriage, when the marriage is not working well and when uh, people aren't getting along with each other, you'll never be any lonelier than in those moments. So if you're coming into a marriage thinking this person is going to meet all these needs in me and going to help me never feel lonely again, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Number eight, read this one together. Here we go. My spouse should always know my needs and meet them. If they really loved me, they would know exactly what I need or what I need for different situations. I wouldn't have to communicate that to them. They would, they would automatically know exactly what's going on inside of me. In other words, what you married, you wanted to marry a mind reader, okay? And it's unfair to ask anybody to read your mind. You can't even read your own mind, Okay? There are times you don't even know what you're thinking. And so if you're expecting somebody else to read your mind, to always know what you're feeling, always know what your needs are, that is absolutely ridiculous. It is a myth. But a lot of people go into marriage with this kind of an expectation. And then number nine, read this one together. Here we go. You ready? Having children will make our marriage better. No, it won't. Okay. The tenth thing, physical appearance doesn't matter after I'm married. I got married, I'm just going to let it go. Okay. Okay. I got you now. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Okay. Don't ask me to look good anymore. We did this thing. It's done. Here, you got what you're looking at. Okay. Okay. No. Physical appearance does matter after marriage. You want to continue to be the best best version of you that you can possibly be. Why? Because it's a gift that you give your spouse. You give your spouse this gift of being the best person that you can be uh, in all realms, spirit, soul, and body. Here's our 11th one. Love is all I need. No, love is not all you need. The 12th myth of a marriage, communication and intimacy should be spontaneous. Oh, you know what? If we're really a great couple, we don't have to plan any time to talk. We just talk. 
We don't have to plan intimacy. It just happens to us. We just, we just have this, this connection. We're, we're soulmates, okay? And you expect this to occur, and I will tell you something. Communication intimacy is not going to happen in your life without intention. You have to plan it. Set aside time to communicate and time for intimacy. You have to schedule it into your life. And it doesn't sound very romantic to schedule time for communication and time for intimacy, but that's how you make sure it's included in your life. You schedule these kind of things. You don't have to spend lots of money on a date night. It could be simply going and walking in a park together, doing something that costs you absolutely no money at all. But even if it does cost you money to have a date night, it is cheaper than a divorce attorney. So the investment that you make will pay off in the days to come. All right, let's take a look at number 13. You ready for this one? Living together before marriage is a... No, it's a myth. I'm sure you would expect me to do so. I could talk about this principle from the Bible and the importance of purity and those kind of things. But let me give you what some experts have discovered about couples who cohabit before marriage. They live together before marriage. According to certain research projects, they've determined that couples who live together before marriage tend to be less satisfied with their marriage after they get married and more likely to divorce. Think about it. You think it would be less likely to divorce, but actually cohabitation makes couples more likely to divorce than less likely to divorce. It is not a healthy thing to do. And of course, this reinforces the fact that the Bible has taught us the value of purity before marriage, the value of entering into a marriage with vows before God that represents a commitment. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. So it's a myth that is very prevalent in our culture today that you and I as Christian believers need to be aware of and we need to debunk that myth and we need to live differently. Amen? Let's go to the next one. Here we go. Marriage preparation is a waste of time. We are in love, okay? One research project, listen closely. One research project says this. It reported that 80%, are you listening? 80% of couples that participated in pre-marriage training stayed together. 80% of the couples who participate in some kind of pre-marriage training, they actually stay together. Their marriage actually ends up working. Let's go to number 15. The 15th thing here, my past doesn't affect me or my past will always haunt me. The key is to realize that when you come into your marriage, you've got to deal, you've got to be aware of your past, okay? Because you're bringing a past with you into a marriage relationship. Some people, some people come into a marriage and say, well, you know what? My past is not a big deal. It's not going to affect me. Other people come in and say, my past is always going to be a problem, and they bring that in. But I will tell you this. Your past is always going to affect your present, but it does not have to dictate your future. Let's go to the next one together. Here we go. Men can't understand women, and women can't understand men. How many of you think that's true? It's a myth. Men can understand women. And women can't understand men. So I say, you don't know my wife, okay? You don't know my husband. No, it's true. You can't. You just got to understand some things about them, okay? You got to learn that men and women are different more than just biologically. They're different in the way they think and the way they process information. And so you and I can learn that in the gender differences that exist. Several years ago, my wife and I landed upon a particular study that she shared with me about the differences between men and women. Let me share with you the differences in terms of how men and women process information. According to this article, 
radical, and according to her, sharing with me, men process information very much like a waffle, okay? They deal with information in boxes. In other words, when my wife shares something with me, I'm immediately looking for the box in my mind to put it in. Because I want to put that box there, and I got it because I'm going to go to work trying to figure out what's the point of this conversation, right? What is she trying to say to me, okay? What is the problem I need to solve? What is the thing I need to fix? What is it that I need to So she starts talking, and my little waffle brain starts working. Which box does this go in, all right? Here's the other thing about that little box. That little box means that I can't multitask. If I'm thinking about one thing, don't ask me to think about something else. I'm thinking about that box in my waffle, okay? And so that's why men, generally speaking, are not good multitaskers. That's why when a guy is on a destination driving somewhere, don't even ask to go to the bathroom. No, we're going. We're not stopping, okay? <laughs> Women process information differently. We have a waffle brain. They have a spaghetti brain. <laughs> I mean, everything connects. She can be talking about... The weather, and then she's talking about kids, and then she's talking about dinner, and then she's talking about work, and then she's talking. I'm like, what? How do we get from the weather to over here? What makes perfect sense to me, she says, okay? Because women are highly connected in the way they link things, okay? They're relational. They're very connected in the way they link things. They think differently, Okay? So I just got to let her talk until I find out what box I'm going to put it in, okay? Right, okay? I just got to let her talk. I'll get my box right, okay? And let's go to the next one. Here we go. This is the last one. If marriage doesn't satisfy me, what? I'll leave. It's a myth. It's a myth. It's a bad way to think. What I mean by that, because what it does is undermines one of the most important, significant aspects of marriage that we'll talk about here in just a moment. All these 17 things that I've, I've given you. Now, by the way, when I first started this message, I had 40 of them, so I've actually uh, cur- curled them down, cur- curved them down to about 17. We could talk about a lot more that we could uh, could discuss. But I want you to look with me now at a couple of verses in the Scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse number two. I'm going to read this from New Living Translation. You'll see it on the, on the screens up here. And then we're going to read it from the uh, Passion Translation. Then we'll move on to the second point today. Paul the Apostle writes and says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. He says, don't, don't be like the world around you. Don't buy into the myths of the world around you. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, what you believe, what your, what your thought process is. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, would you read this with me from the Passion Translation? Here we go. Let's read together. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in God's eyes. The point I want you to note here, when it comes to thinking about marriage or thinking about anything, but in this this context, we're talking about marriage and relationships. What does it say? Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the, what? Culture. Don't let the culture define for you what marriage is all about. 
but instead be inwardly transformed. How? By the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. That is, you've got to debunk the myths. Don't believe things that are not true about marriage as well as other things in your life. So the first step in this process today we're looking at is to, to dismiss the myths. And now I want to talk to you about the second thing that is important today, and that's the important aspect of learning to count the cost. Say that with me, count the cost. So you dismiss the myths and you count the cost if your marriage is going to work. Jesus gave us a very important lesson in building in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30. I want to read this for you. Suppose, these are the words of Jesus, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. So Jesus is talking here about building. He's talking about building a tower. We could say, suppose one of you wants to build a marriage. Suppose one of you, want, some, one of you wants to build a business. Suppose one of you wants to build, he uses a tower, he uses an illustration. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Jesus says that anything you want to build, if you build anything in life associated with building is a cost. Anything you build, there's a cost that goes along with it. And when it comes to marriage, the cost of marriage is making a commitment. That's the cost of marriage. And a commitment is defined in two basic terms. It's what you exclude from your life and what you include in your life. That's a commitment. I'm choosing, based upon the priorities now of my life, to pay a price by including things that I haven't been including and excluding things that I have been including in my life. I'm paying the price. There is a commitment. When you commit your life to God, we talk about committing your life to God. When you commit your life to God, it means that you're now going to include God in your life. You did not include Him before, but now you're going to include God in your life, and you're going to exclude some things that you used to do that you're not going to do anymore, some places you used to go, some people you used to be involved in. Now you're going to push them away from you, out of your life, so that God now has central place in your life. Now, the same is true when it comes to marriage. When you, make a, when you commit yourself to marriage, you're going to include now your spouse in your life at a high priority, and you're going to exclude other people from your life that you used to have relationship with, and that, that person now is going to be the central portion apart from God in your life. So there's an inclusion and an exclusion, and the way that this starts out in a marriage is through something called vows. When you stand before a minister or you begin the process of marriage, you will exchange vows. And the vows represent commitment. It represents what you're going to now include in your life and what you're going to exclude in your life. You need to understand that what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder the words of Jesus he gave us. And so we need to make a commitment to count the cost. Now, what are the costs involved in commitment? Let me quickly walk you through these eight things. We're going to cover them very, very quickly. It means, number one, you have to remove the escape thoughts and clauses and conversations. Because you're not spending your time talking about, well, if you don't do this, I'm leaving. If you don't do that, I'm leaving. I don't, I don't like you anymore. And this, these escape clauses, I'm out of here. If we don't get this thing changed, you want to take that out of your conversations because it's undermining your commitment. It's undermining your vows. 
Then second of all, remove the influence of anything draining your attention or affection. If there's somebody else or something else is draining your attention or your affection from your spouse, you need to get rid of it. You need to move that from your life. And then number three, remember your vows. Just at times go back and remember what you said to this person, the vow that you made before God and the vow that you made to them. And then elevate your commitment over your emotions. This is important because your commitment is more important than your feelings. Your feelings are going to change. Not every day you are, will you feel like being married to that person. Some days you'll wake up and say, I can't believe I married that person. But here's the thing. They're thinking the same thing about you. <laughs> they're thinking the same thing about you. And here you are. So, and, and so commitment doesn't go on the basis of feeling. It goes on the basis of a vow that you've made. And then number five, adjust your attitudes about relationship problems that arise. Let me see if I can help you with this one. This really helped my wife and I. It's helped us begin to help us make some changes in the way that we interact with one another. This is the waffle guy. And this is the spaghetti girl. When we first got married... And for a number of years in our marriage, when a problem would arise or a conflict would arise, we had the tendency that most couples have, and that's the tendency to, to do this, to blame one another. Well, you're at fault. No, you're at fault. No, you're at fault. No, you're at fault. If you do this, this will be better. No, well, you need to do that. I'd do that if you do this. Anybody been in that circle before? Okay. And then after extended period of years, because you, you grow in marriage and you have this kind of tension that exists there. We, we learned something that really helped us. We learned that we could do a whole lot better if we would stop blaming each other for our problems and begin to make the problem the problem. So that instead of attacking each other, when we had something that came up, we would attack the problem. And then all of a sudden, we are drawn together and a unified force to deal with the problem instead of dealing with the tension between the two of us or the situation that exists. And what we've learned over the years is that some problems, I want you to pay close attention to this, some problems are, and some problems are unsolvable. And you've got to figure out which problems are going to change and which ones are not, okay? There's certain things about each one of us that, you know, you, you, you are, I mean, you, you're going to be a certain way in terms of the personality that you have, and you have to make adjustments, and your spouse will as well. And so you've got to learn to address the solvable problems and accept the unsolvable problems and learn to manage the tension because every situation is not a problem to be solved. It is a tension to be managed, and you're working together on the problem and not attacking one another. I will tell you that once we did that, once we've come to that, as, as we continue to practice that, we don't always get it right, okay? Sometimes we still get back into this pattern, as all human beings do. But when we focus this way, it makes all the difference in the world. And that leads me to the next one, number six, identify and adopt, adopt a common goal. And the common goal is, what's that word there? Teamwork, okay? You're not enemies, you're friends, you're working together on the same team for the same accomplishments. Then demonstrate your commitment through investment. We've talked about investing your time and your energy. And finally, communicate your commitment in words. Let me conclude with Proverbs 18, verse 21. It's going to be on the screen. Would you read it together with me? Words kill. Words give life. 
they either poison, they're either poison or fruit. You choose. What does it say there? Words do what? Kill or words give life. You know what undermines many commitments in a marriage? Words, which is what you say. How you say what you say. If you say something like this, I can't stand you. I don't want to be around you anymore. When I said that, what happened in this room just then? What happened when you heard those words? Immediately, a dark cloud came all through this room, did it not? Did you feel the harshness of that? Did I say, you know what? I really appreciate you. Yeah, we have some differences, but you're amazing. I thank you for everything that you do. You're, you're awesome. Thank you for the contribution you make to my life. I really value everything that you do. And even though we've had some disagreements, you know what? We're on the same team. Do you see the difference, the feeling that's different in the room just then? Okay. Words kill and words give life. And I will tell you something. If you just change that one thing in your marriage, that one thing, just what you say and how you say it, it would be amazing how it reinforce the kind of commitment that will build strong marriages. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Attention small business owners. If you operate a... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.